0: Friends, before we begin, let me invite you to keep up with all the Tracks for the Journey resources by subscribing to the Tracks Express newsletter. Once a week, I send a wide range of helps for well-being directly to your inbox. The Express has inspiration and insights for spirituality, relationships, ecology, emotional health, and yes, recipes for good food. The easiest way to subscribe is on my website, www.tracks.com. Tracksforthejourney.com. Thanks for listening today. My mother helped change America, at least in a small way. Let me tell you the story. She entered college in 1934, following the footsteps of her older sister, They were a part of an explosion of women pursuing higher education in the early 20th century, and by the time of the 1930s, 40% of all graduates were women. That was more than double the number a decade earlier. Julie McGill was a proud graduate of William Woods College in Missouri, class of 1936. She and millions of other women were demanding equal rights and opportunity. Nearly a hundred years have passed since she walked the stage, but securing equal rights for women is still a struggle in America. I'm Larry Payne, your host on Tracks for the Journey, the podcast exploring spirituality, psychology, and history to build your well-being. The issue of women's rights is very important now. The attitudes of our society and the theology around this have a potent impact on every person. So in this episode, I want you to join me as I discuss Gals, Guys, and God. As we talk about Gals, Guys, and God... The God part is straightforward in the Judeo-Christian tradition. Basically, guys have ruled to control society and theology. Ancient Israel was a patriarchal society like most cultures around the world. Women were the property of men with few legal or familiar rights in Jewish, Greek, and Roman systems. However, the Gospels show Jesus and the early Christians holding a radically different view. Jesus welcomed women to follow him and learn from him. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came equally upon men and women, leading women to serve in leadership roles. The Apostle Paul would boldly proclaim in the book of Galatians, There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In the words of ethicist David Gushy, The Bible offers countervailing resources that are even more compelling given that the Bible emerged in patriarchal cultures. Unfortunately, a male-dominated society would not heed that message for 1,800 years. The focus shifted back to the patriarchal passages of the Bible as the divine, unchanging pattern for society rather than recognizing those views emerged in the cultures of those ancient societies. A history lesson might be important for us at this point. Uh, New ideas about equality sprouted about 250 years ago in Western society. An English heiress, Mary Wollstonecraft, wrote a seminal, best-selling book, Advancing Equality, in 1792. Victorian ideals that the woman's place was only to be the home began slowly to crack. By the mid-1800s, educational opportunities were opening for women in the English-speaking world. Many leaders at that time based their arguments on biblical ideas of equality, challenging the patriarchal passages as I mentioned just a few moments ago. They were merely the reflection of an ancient society, not God's timeless truth. In the context of this change in society, on July 19, 1848, more than a 300 men and women assembled in the Wesleyan Chapel at Seneca Falls, New York. They were gathered for the first formal convention that wanted to discuss the civil, social, and religious condition of women. At the end of the 1848 meeting, 82 women and 32 men signed the Declaration of Sentiment. They boldly said to the nation, and I'll quote, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men and women are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The history of mankind is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations on the part of man toward woman, having in direct effect the establishment of an absolute tyranny over her. Because women do feel themselves aggrieved, oppressed, and fraudulently deprived of their most sacred rights, we insist that they have immediate admission to all the rights and privileges which belong to them as citizens of the United States." That was their declaration, and you can imagine that it ignited a firestorm. It began a struggle across many decades that was marked by scorn and rebuke, arrests, slander, and political resistance. Many Christian ministers assailed the assertion of women and equal, citing Scripture as proof of male privilege. But others found different answers in the actions of Jesus and common-sense ethics. Led by Susan B. Anthony, Sojourner Truth, Francis Willard, Ida B. Wells, and others, the cause gained momentum. A breakthrough came in 1890 when Wyoming approved the right to vote, the very first U.S. state to do so. By 1918, 20 states had followed suit. After thousands of women participated in public marches, demonstrations, and protests, President Woodrow Wilson began to advocate the cause. They believed the core teachings of the New Testament gave women an equal place and voice in society. The cause was strengthened when England granted full suffrage in 1918. So, on June 4, 1918, Congress approved the amendment and sent it to the states for ratification. That was quickly done by 35 states. The southern states refused, locked in the narrow interpretations of the Bible and a patriarchal culture of the South. Passage came down to the vote of one man in the Tennessee legislature, a man named Harry Byrne. He was swayed by his own mother to support the bill. And with his vote and the approval in the Tennessee legislature, the amendment was ratified, becoming the 19th Amendment to the Constitution on August 26, 1920. Yet the struggle for the full rights of women continued. A male-dominated world kept barriers against women in place for decades. Slowly and with unrelenting evidence, the truth of equality was proven. That chapel in Seneca Falls, New York, is now, 175 years later, a U.S. historical park recognized as the event and the place that birthed the women's rights movement. Sadly, The Christian churches were not as willing to follow the wishes and desires and rights of women as politicians. The church was a hindrance to the thriving and equality of women over the past two centuries, and even now some groups hold doctrines which are misogynistic, denying women leadership opportunities as full clergy. This is true of the Catholic Church, Southern Baptist Convention, and others, even though a majority of all active members in those groups are women. Some have renamed and restricted male power by speaking of how men and women are to complement each other in separate but unequal roles. Patriarchal thought about church life and family roles dominates in these regressive traditions. No matter the semantics, the bottom line For these groups is that guys rule just as it was in the primitive cultures millennia ago. Scholar Beth Allison Barr has revealed the trajectory of this repression in her book The Making of Biblical Womanhood. She demonstrates how the views of the church have emerged from cultural viewpoints more than scriptural teachings. She writes, In a world that didn't accept the word of a woman as a valid witness... Jesus chose women as witnesses for His resurrection. In a world that gave husbands power over the very lives of their wives, Paul told husbands to do the opposite, to give up their lives for their wives. And in a world that saw women as biologically deformed men, and monstrous even, Paul declared that men were just like women in Christ. It is refreshing that most mainline and charismatic traditions have changed and now welcome female leadership at all levels. A clear statement of better and progressive theology is presented by the ecumenical group Christians for Biblical Equality, who state unequivocally, the Bible teaches the full equality of men and women in creation and redemption. I wish my record was spotless on this, but in the early 1980s, I would not support the aspirations of a dedicated young woman for ordination in a Baptist church. I'm sorry for that, and I've apologized to her. My views changed in the years that followed, and I frequently taught courses on egalitarian marriage. But I do regret that I did not take a clear stand for women's ministry in that misogynistic denomination. And it now is very refreshing to participate in a church that celebrates and supports women as full and equal partners in ministry. The doctrines of some church groups are all the more tragic when the evidence of women leaders is everywhere around us. Since my mother's college years, women have won elections, built the war machines of World War II, won Nobel and Pulitzer Prizes, gained the promise of equal pay by federal law in 1963, developed birth control pills and taken them, played sports after Title IX, And women have become generals, Supreme Court judges, astronauts, CEOs, governors, and now a vice president. These achievements show the absurdity of patriarchal attitudes in any area of life. Clearly, it is morally wrong and theologically errant for the church to stay locked in a patriarchy that denies the full image of God in a female person. Perhaps more of us should be asking this question of ourselves. Why am I supporting institutions that deny full equality for women like Jesus taught? As we take a break from our episode today, I have a special offer for you. I want you to have excerpts from my book, Journey to Friendship. It's a memoir of America in 1976 and the beginning of my ministry. It's a lighthearted book of newlywed adventures, careers and family launching and insights into the work of God. I think you'll be inspired and maybe laugh a bit too. So you can get copy of this excerpt by making a small donation to this Tracks for the Journey podcast. It's easy to do at the website buymeacoffee.com. I'll send a PDF of excerpts that you'll enjoy. So once again, if you would like that, go to my website, tracksforthejourney.com, and click on the link to Buy Me a Coffee. There you can give a small amount, and I'll be sending you a copy, a PDF, of that excerpt. Enjoy it. As we return to this discussion of Gals, Guys, and God... We've had a pretty heavy heavy dose of history and theology, so let's see what the psychology is. Emotional well-being is always tied to the culture where a person lives. That's an axiom of psychology. Each of us absorbs the messages and myths of our culture. When the message to young women is one of less worth and limited choices, it delivers a sucker punch to the identity being shaped. The flashpoint of this discussion now may be in the fight for all American women to control their bodies and motherhood. With questionable legal rulings, a potential life with no legal status has now become more important than the rights of a living, breathing adult woman. Pregnancy and birth, dramatically altering a woman's body and life path forever, is now mandated by the state for every woman who becomes pregnant. This is morally wrong. Even the laws of the Old Testament do not value the life of a fetus the same as the life of an adult woman. If allowed to stand, these regressive laws will throttle the emotional well-being of half our population. We cannot agree with this in the modern world. Thankfully, many voices are being raised now to empower female self-understanding and change our laws. The Malala Fund is educating girls in underdeveloped countries. The National Organization for Women advocates on a wide range of equality-related issues. National organizations of sports, such as soccer, have reluctantly acquiesced to demands for equal pay. Each woman must feel valued and capable for all persons to thrive. Today, women have ballot box power. In the 2020 elections, 82% of eligible women reported voting, a figure much higher than men. This year, 20% of the U.S. Congress are women. And with these powerful leaders, there is hope that progress can be made on the entrenched misogyny that has resisted full equality. Reproductive rights, ending violence against women, passage of the Equal Rights Amendment are all vital concerns that can bring greater wellness to millions of women. Vice President Kamala Harris nailed the issue in a recent speech as she said, I invite all people to join us. If you stand for freedom, for self-determination, for the right to privacy, if you stand for these principles, stand with us. Women's issues are America's issues, and democracies cannot be strong if the rights of women are under attack. Those brave words show us that we should press forward in full equality for all women in the practical things of daily life. And each one of us can be a part of that movement. Does your company pay men more than women for the same job? That's wrong. Say something. Does your church keep women in the pews rather than the pulpit? That's heresy. Advocate change or change your affiliation. Does your legislator deny a pregnant woman full choice about her body and future? That betrays the Declaration of Independence, which declares certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those have become the foundations of our democracy, the very values that keep us together. And if your legislator does not agree, it's time to vote him out. On a personal note, let me end this episode I believe my granddaughters, Jocelyn, Madeline, Caitlin, Lennox, and Vera, need a nation that values them in their full, God-given equality. So I hope you'll join me in taking action now for your grandchildren and your children today. Let's pave the way to wellness and opportunity. Thanks for joining with me today in this episode. If you liked what you heard, share your news with a friend and like it on your podcast provider. Tracks for the Journey is produced at the Bright Star Studio and all rights reserved. The hosting is by Buzzsprout.com and music is from Pixabay.com. I invite you to join the discussion at my Facebook page, Tracks for the Journey. Or you can find more information and links to all the previous episodes on my website at www.TracksForTheJourney.com. I'm Larry Payne, and I thank you for sharing this time with me. May your journey to wellness continue.